listeners, and welcome to the Downright Upright Show, the place to go to hear out loud and proud what Minnesotans are thinking, and I am your host, Philip Anthony. I'm so excited that you have chosen to join us today, and I'm hoping you are all fantabulous. My special guest today is Egan City Council Member Mike Sapina. Previously, Mr. Sapina served on the Egan Energy and Environment Advisory Commission, that's a mouthful, and the Egan Advisory Planning Commission, as well as two Dakota County Commissions. He is active in a number of local nonprofits, including the Open Door, Artworks, the Eastview Community Foundation, the Egan Community Foundation, and Egan Kickstart Rotary, which he served as president in 2019 through 2020. Oh, oh, that's a mouthful there, too. <laughs> Welcome, yeah. City Council Member Subpoena, to the Downright Upright Show. May I call you Mike? Mike is perfect. Thanks, Philip. I'm glad to be here. Oh, I'm, I'm, well, it's a pleasure. Thank you for coming. Uh, and, I, and as I say to all guests, you know, you guys have such a busy schedule, and it's so nice that you take a little time out to come and speak to the listeners about what you, uh, what your plans are to help the people of this community. And so thank you for that. Yeah, I'm happy to do it. That's part of my job. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. So like with all my guests, I like to know uh, what their beginnings were, like, you know, where they came from, you know, their uh, schooling, all of that. So where were you born and raised and went to school and all that fun stuff? Well, I'll uh, fill you in on all that. So born in um, New York City, which sounds very urban and like apartment buildings and skyscrapers. The part of New York City I was born in is as far south in New York as you can possibly get without being in New Jersey. So the, the uh, area is called Tottenville. We kind of think of it as a town, even though New York Beautiful, is yeah. one big city. Um, uh, it's kind of even isolated from the rest of Staten Island by some you know big areas, a, a big... Uh, uh, church property and then some industry. So it really was is was a very uh, backwater place when I was growing up there. Uh, thinking of it now, it was almost a little bit like Appalachia, you know, old houses. The, I remember Staten yeah. Island back in the day. Yeah, the yeah. New York Daily News did a uh, did a um, uh, uh, feature on it back in the 1970s, and they just showed like barefoot people sitting on their porch, and I mean, they really made it look like it was from the middle of of um, kind of, uh, uh, you know, the Appala Appalachian part of, of the United States. Um, it's not like that anymore. The developers have discovered it, and there's a lot of really big homes, and they're buying up the small homes that are on small properties and putting, you know, knocking them down and putting multiple homes there. So it's a lot different now than when I was growing up. But, uh, and the Verrazano Bridge had a lot to do with that. Yes, don't yes, you think? it did. That, yeah. that it connected in Brooklyn to Staten Island, and then there, then there, I think there was the Outer Bridge and the the Gothels, which connected, which had been there. They'd been there since oh, the they okay. 30s or the 20s. In yeah. fact, the Gothels Bridge, they just built a replacement for it. Um, oh. uh, the company that I used to work for, the engineering part of it, did that replacement. So um, that What's was kind of nice. Now? It's still called the Gothels Bridge, but oh, it's it is? Okay. new, shiny new Gothels Bridge now. Oh, and wow. when we fly in to visit the family, we fly into Newark Airport, take the Gothels Bridge over, you know, to Staten Island and go visit them. Um, so Tottenville was, was uh, a very unique place back then. Um, it, it was, I really liked growing up there. Um, and it's different now, and I, I, there is a lot of nostalgia there for kind of the way it used to be, but I think that's true of a lot of places. Um, high school, we went to Tottenville High School, which actually used to be in Tottenville. Um, and then when I was kind of uh, around 10 or so, they built 
the big new Tottenville High School a few miles outside of Tottenville, and the old Tottenville High School became, became a middle school. So I went there for middle school. Tottenville High School, which was a very big high school, probably close to 5,000 kids in it. Mm. Um, and, um, and that's still there, thriving, going strong. And then um, went to college um, uh, uh, in Boston, you know, went to MIT for college. So after that, I pretty much didn't live in New York anymore. So if any of your listeners are wondering, hey, this guy says he grew up in New York. I don't hear a New York accent. Well, you know, that's what happens. You move out of New York, you lose your accent, right? So, I, except for you. Do I have mine? <laughs> yes, you do. <laughs> okay. You and Bernie Sanders are the only ones that have kept them. Like that. <laughs> Yeah, I know. But no, but uh, when I imitate um, my dad, I can talk like that. Was the Staten Island Ferry uh, 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 still uh, still around when you were there? Or? Oh yeah, and still around now. When, when you were born, I, when too? I was a kid, it was a nickel. Um, in fact, just today on Facebook, there's a, a, a page for like old Staten Island stuff, and they showed a picture of a guy putting up the sign that where they were raising it to a dime in oh, 1972. Boy. Yeah, expensive. And then it got up to like a quarter. And now I think actually now it's free. I think they just, the city just decided it's not worth it to collect, you know, plus that's the only way a lot of commuters get into Manhattan. So they just said, never mind, we're just oh, not going to charge anything that. for the ferry. Oh, cool. so, Did that happen um, recently? They changed that? That it's been free? I think it's been free for a number of years now. Because yeah. I've been in Minnesota yeah. about 22 years. So mm -hmm. is it, was it before that? Probably around that, that time. time. I mean, okay. we, we go back usually every year at least once or twice to visit family. And um, sometimes when we do that, we'll take a day away from visiting family and go into the city and go to a museum or something. So yeah, we'll take the train and the ferry and all that. So, yeah. Staten Island um, has really some really nice beaches too. I, I remember going there when I was a really young kid to Staten Island. For yes, it used to have the, the beach. The parts closer to Brooklyn, there were beach. In fact, a long time ago, before my time, there it was kind of a beach community. People mm -hmm. would have little bungalows and go there for their summer yeah. beach, like the way people do now down at the Jersey Shore they would go to Staten Island. And down where we were, all the way at the end, there was um, a big oyster industry in, in Tottenville. And mm. that went away when New York Harbor became very polluted. And now that they've done a good job cleaning up the harbor, it's coming back. They've seeded oyster beds around, because oysters actually do help clean up the water too. So, um, and it's starting to, I don't think it'll be an industry like the way it used to be, but oysters are starting to you know, move oh, back wow. into those waters. So. Oh, that's awesome. Um, so just like you, I also grew up in New York. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm just curious, um, you know, because I can give you my answer, but it, it'd probably be a little bit different than yours. What was the biggest adjustment for you going from New York and then I think Boston you lived for a little while as well? Uh, those northeastern states to mm -hmm. coming to the Midwest, to Minnesota. Right. And and actually between Boston and here, we were in California for six years and, oh, then, okay. and then moved here. Well, California in the, in the is, Bay more, area. is more like New York than less yes. than Minnesota. No. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, so biggest adjustment, um, well, there's a few of them. Um, in California, where we were right before here, most of the people I knew weren't from there. Right, a lot of them were from other places. Right, because it was especially back in the late '80s, early '90s, it was just a place where everybody was moving to. So, 
everybody was kind of like me. Was this I, when you went to this, Berkeley? Yes, this is grad school. Yeah, and because, then, well, that was a great yeah. school. I, mean, yes. I think it still is a, one of the top-notch schools it in is. the country, isn't it? It's a, yeah. an awesome school. And in fact, my, um, my oldest daughter uh, went there for her grad school, too. She's finished now. But, um, and my wife was there for grad school. So it's kind of become a family and my cousin. So it's sort of a family oh, thing wow, to go yeah, out there and go okay. to grad school, even though none of us are from California originally. Um, but yeah, everybody was from somewhere else, right? So, so you're like, where are you from? Where are you from? Minnesota's not like that. You know, when I moved here, most of the people I met are were natives. from here. Mm -hmm. And not only were they from here, but a lot of them were like, even grew up, oh, I grew up on a farm out in whatever, you know, someplace up out. Up north or, yeah, or, or down, down south. A, yeah. yeah. And, and so people seem a lot closer to like the, the original, like, family origins of when their families first came here. And um, so it was easy to feel more like an outsider when you come here because, you know, you don't know the culture. And Minnesota does have a distinct culture, so you're not familiar with that. People tend to know each other more because they all grew up here together. Um, a lot of folks have their cabin. So, um, yeah, you know, no, all of a sudden one. in the summertime, <laughs> I would walk outside and be, where'd all my neighbors go? Because um, they're all up north at their cabin or wherever their cabin is. So, so there's a culture there that we were not really that familiar with. Um, and so it, I'm sure it wasn't by intent, but it's easy as an outsider to feel like an outsider, you know, because you're not part of that. Um, I've lived here 30 years now. You know, my wife and I have lived here 30 years and raised our family here. So we don't feel like that anymore. My kids all grew up in Minnesota and all of their Minnesota accents. So, um, you know, sometimes we make fun of them for that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. um, and they make fun of us. I love it. My favorite, <laughs> my favorite act part of their accent. It's not the yah and all that. My favorite thing is, and like my husband has this thing too. Any words that have an A-G in it, like bag, bag. they use a large, a, a long A instead yep. of a, which is bag or, or bag Flag. or... Flag, Agnes, <laughs> the name, you know, how's Agnes doing? You know, I think it's cute. That's but, funny that you say that because that is one of the first things yeah. I noticed. I was, I was working and there was a, one of my coworkers was talking about, I don't know, a night out that he had on the weekend. And he said, oh, and then I staggered home. And I'm like, y you what? Staggered. Oh, I, I staggered home. I'm like, oh, I, I, now I understand what you're saying. It's like you almost need the little translator. Be like, boop, you go boop, shopping oh. with my husband. <laughs> yeah, he's hilarious. He'll go, look, uh, I, I would say, like, how much is this, do you think? Bjorn? He goes, well, look at the tag. <laughs> it's on the tag. Oh, yeah. okay, it's on the tag. Yes, so but yes, anyway, we did notice that's that That's a big well. one for me, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah, mine was the, kind of the same. Um, I was... Probably a little more. I uh, had a little more of an accent, maybe than you did, because you yeah. maybe it was diluted when you lived in California. Because they, they're like totally awesome. Yeah. You gagged me with a spin. Yeah. You know, very. Yeah, yeah my accent. Valley. Yeah. What I I don't know. I guess I'm uh, like a chameleon because it pretty much went away. Did you ever There's say a, coffee? Oh, yeah, I said all of that. Yeah. Did you ever say all uh, of that? All of that yeah. and talking so and walking. The only right? words I got left: <laughs> orange. So, you know, yeah. so I, I say that Sometimes and then I say it. It people comes at, out. at work yeah. would be like, wait, what is that? And it's like orange. Is that, you know, I, I brought an orange from home. They're yeah. like, oh, and you mean like an orange? I'm like, orange. oh, yeah, that's like the one word I have left that, you know, it's like, let me cling on to that, please. You know? We have a ton of words. I mean, there are things I come out with that people like, and I have to realize, oh, I'm not in New York anymore, yeah. you know. 
Anyway, um, so I know you received your BS degree, bachelor's degree, from the Massachusetts Institute of Technology and your Master of Architecture from the University of California, Berkeley. Yes, sir. So did you ever go into practice as an architect, and uh, uh, did you enjoy doing that? Do you miss it, or um, yes. explain to the uh, listeners? I've worked for many years as an architect until about five years ago, um, and um, not as my, you know, not my own firm. I've worked for other firms um, in California, in, um, well, I guess not really in Massachusetts because that's when I was in college, but in California and then here. Um, do I miss it? In some ways, I'd say yes. Um, I worked on almost every type of building that there is. So um, a lot of government buildings, um, healthcare, industrial, retail, um, multifamily housing. I guess the only kind I haven't really done is single family housing, but then we put an addition on our house, so I got to check that box off too, because we did a little, I designed our addition to our house back in 20, 2007, 2008. Um, I would say there is kind of a theme to the work that I've done. Pretty much everything I've done, except for maybe the retail and industrial, has, has gravitated in some way or another towards multifamily housing and affordable housing. So I did a lot of senior housing. Um, even when I was doing government work, I did um, uh, military housing. So a big barracks building in Oklahoma and another big one out in Colorado, um, which I'm really proud of both of those, especially one in Colorado, um, because the, the housing that existed there before, which is still there, was not really in great shape. And, and of course, when you do this kind of thing. You go out and visit and see what else is there. And I felt like it is one of those things that really gives you a sense of accomplishment when you're done. And you say, well, now they have this great new, you know, um, uh, uh, military housing, m new facility. And, you know, maybe eventually they can get rid of those really bad ones and, you know, and continue replacing those. So that was, that was a, um, well, you you also feeling. brought up, excuse me, uh, you, uh, for interrupting. You brought up uh, about uh, affordable housing. Yes. Uh, so, did you work for HUD? No, no. You... I one of the places I work for here in Minnesota did work with um, local um, CDAs, community development agencies, uh -huh. and, and those were there's one right here in Dakota County, but the ones that we worked for were up in northern Minnesota. So we did oh, some okay. apartment buildings up there, uh, affordable housing. There's a lot of need there. for affordable housing, yes. now, especially now with everything, you know, everything skyrocketing. You yeah. know, um, everything market rate is just very hard now, especially for young people and young families, and even just. People that don't have, okay, so here, back to Staten Island. We lived next door to my grandparents. Mm -hmm. My grandpa just had a series of, he was a milkman. He was a school bus driver. Um, he worked in the hardware store up in town. None of these are high-paying no. professional jobs. Mm -hmm. My grandmother um, didn't work outside the house. They, they raised three kids, and they had some foster kids, and they owned a house. They occasionally would buy, I don't think they ever bought a new car, but they would occasionally buy, replace their car and buy, buy another car. And, um, you know, they definitely weren't wealthy, but they owned a house. And mm -hmm. can someone do that today? Yeah, can, that's can a good point. You have a, a household with one wage earner who's basically earning, you know, non, not professional wages and another person who's 
isn't earning anything mm -hmm. and then ra live in a house that you own and raise three kids. I don't mm. think that's possible. So something has changed, right? You know, something... Housing has become a commodity. Uh -huh. It's no longer kind of an expectation. Well, of course you're going to, you know, buy a house and raise your family there, you know? So it, it, it's become such a commodity that people can't afford it anymore. So, so, um, how do we fix that? And as far as the market market rate goes, I don't think there's a way to fix it. So that's why all the affordable housing you see being developed now is through community development agencies and other other ways where there's a public public input. Or the public government subsidy. has to do it. Yes, that's exactly. exactly what you're trying to and say. Then, and because then there's without a big, the government doing it, right. no no nobody's going to make money on public housing. Right. They and then there's a big fight that. about that because then uh, it becomes a, a party issue, right? A political issue. It's like, well, why are we giving money to them? You know, the them, whole them thing, yeah, which I'm sure we'll thing. get into later, but, but yeah, that's yeah, kind yeah. of one of the other big issues that we run into. Yeah, so. why, that yeah. them thing is just, the, the, the Republicans are really capitalizing on that the word them, yeah. you know, they are coming across the border. They want to uh, indoctrinate your children. Mm -hmm. They want to do, you know, it's it's just scare tactics, yeah. you know, and uh, it just, it, it boils my blood sometimes yeah. when I think about it. Anyway, um, so uh, as a city council member, um, uh, can you tell the listeners what your top priorities are? Oh, for sure. Like, yeah. uh, as an advocate for the people of Egan, because, you know, people don't, I'm going to, full disclosure, I can even tell you, I have no idea what you do as a city council member. I know what, you know, the president does. I know what the vice president does. I know what a senator does, because those are things that are out there and, you know, people sure. see it on TV, read it in the paper. But as a city council member, mm -hmm. that's a job that a lot of people would need to know what, what the actual day-to-day uh, uh, sure. functions are. Well, and uh, so, yeah, so expand on that for the listeners. Oh, absolutely. So um, we do just a little bit um, less than the president does. So it's almost the same, really. Less than so, the no. president does. Okay. <laughs> I'm kidding. Okay. Um, <laughs> no, I know we, do you all, we do a lot less than the president. And, and, and it, of course, it depends on what kind of city you are. Um, so, uh, um, but the, the way Egan is set up the council, it's not a full-time job. Um, we do get paid, not very much. I, and in fact, I don't even remember exactly what it is, but I believe it's $10,000 a year. So it's more or less a stipend. Um, and the mandatory parts of it are essentially going to city council meetings and preparing for the city council meetings. And everything beyond that is kind of what you make of it. So and maybe because I'm a new guy, I do all the stuff. So there are um, uh, League of Minnesota Cities, for example. That's the Egan belongs to the League of Minnesota Cities. They have policy committees, and they ask people to join their policy committees and help them develop policy. So I joined a policy committee. Um, Metro Cities, which is another lobbying group for for metro area cities, Egan belongs to that. I'm on a policy committee for them. That's not mandatory. You don't have to do it. They have three meetings every summer, and yeah, I go to those because I think as part of my job, I should be helping develop policy for what cities want. Um, uh, and just fun things, like ribbon cut, like um, new restaurant in, in Egan, Kitchen and Rail, that opened about a month ago, two months ago, something like that. You know, the chamber is like, hey, who wants to come to the ribbon cutting? I'm like, I do, because, <laughs> you know, first of all, 
yeah, restaurant, sure, I'll go in there. Um, and then, uh, so you show up, and it's good to have a representative of the city at something sure, like that. And yeah. I'll tell you, as a fellow Italian-American, I walked in the door. There's a crowd of people there for this ribbon cutting. I walked in the door. As soon as I walked in, it smelled exactly like my Nana's uh, sauce. So, and I just blurted that out to the first person I saw who I didn't even know. I was like, this smells just like my Nana's kitchen. You know, 15 minutes later, when they were doing the ribbon cutting, they said, oh, and Mike's here from the city council. Mike, do you want to say a few words? And I was like, uh, bu, 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 um, <laughs> you know what? When I walked in the door, I thought it smelled just like my Nana's kitchen. And boy, did that owner of that place smile because he was just like, that's exactly what, he what he's going for. Home cooking, right? And, so, as, yeah. and to, to, yeah. to add to that, yeah. what are the prior- priorities, I love that word, mm-hmm. priorities uh, that you as a city council member have? Uh, in other words, What's the top of your bucket list right now? Well, what I'm happy to say is that the top of my bucket list now is still pretty much aligns with what it was when I was a candidate. So, you know, it's funny because when you're a candidate and you're not exactly sure what you're getting into, you kind of say, well, this is what I want to do. And, you know, maybe you get elected and find out, oh, well, those were, why did I say that? That's dumb. But no, it actually still aligns. And the top priorities for me are um, sustainability is a big one. Um, and you know, as you mentioned, I was on the Energy Environment Commission before I became a council member. And, and you know, that we also had kind of subcommittees where we were pushing for things like um, Green Step Cities or uh, you know, water quality or kind of um, uh, you know, more recycling and composting at city parks, things like that. Um, solar energy ordinance, that kind of stuff. So now that I'm on the council, you know, I can help enact some of those things that I was advocating for three, four years ago when I was on Energy Environment Commission. So that's a big one. And um, there are some developments coming up in that that maybe we'll get to. Um, Another big one is um, equity and inclusion. Um, I think it's important that the city's staff and the city's elected officials on city's um, advisory commissions are more reflective of our city as a whole. And they're not right now. I mean, it's, it's not subjective. <laughs> you know, they, they are very objectively not reflective of the city as a whole. And there's all kinds of reasons for that. And some of, some of that we can do stuff about, some of it we can't. But the one thing we can do something about is outreach. So um, the city, I know, um, has is active in outreach especially I'll, I'll focus on our advisory commissions which we have i think four of right now i might be getting that wrong um the city does outreach and says hey we want to get lots of people to apply for these advisory commissions so we have a good pool of people to choose from and also as diverse a pool as we can get mm-hmm. and then i um in addition to that i go out on my own when i meet people around egan that um I have an interest in a certain topic, I'll say, I hope you apply for our advisory commission planning or parks or energy and environment. Um, You know, once the application period comes up, which is, by the way, I think in March, the next one is coming up in March of 2023. So if any of your listeners want want to help influence policy in Egan, they should keep their eyes open and apply for um, an advisory commission. Is it only position. Egan or all the other uh, cities have the same? They have their own, as far dates? as I know. But yeah, the only ones that I'm right. part of are the ones in Egan. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, of course. <laughs> yes, yeah. yeah. But every, every city, I think, has 
a handful of. Is it around March? Of all overseas, have it around that time or, or that I couldn't tell you. Um, okay. But Egan's is yeah. The application right. period is in March. We do our appointments. I think in either April or May, something like that. Okay. Um, and uh, you know, the last couple times since I've been on the council, the number of applicants and the number of open spaces has been nearly equal, um, which is good because they don't have to say no to anybody. But it's bad because you don't have a bigger pool of people to choose from, you know. So, right, so right. it'd be great to have more applicants, even if that means some of them don't get chosen their first time around. Uh -huh. When I was applying for the planning commission way back in 20, before 2009, I wasn't appointed to the planning commission until my third try. So maybe we had more applicants back then, or maybe they, maybe I was the bottom of the barrel. I don't know. But somehow uh, I did eventually get on it. I was on the planning commission for five years. I had to um, resign because one thing you didn't mention in your bio is because we moved to Sweden for a year. So I actually got to live over there for a year. Oh, wow. Uh, you really a year. are a, yeah. a vagabond. <laughs> World traveler. <laughs> World traveler. Um, that was for my wife's work. Um, yeah. she, she had a, a, a two-year assignment there. I went there just yeah. this year, actually. Wasn't it awesome? I loved it. Love so that. did you go all around or mostly Stockholm? Or, uh, or Well, Sweden, mostly Stockholm. Yeah. Norway, yeah. the whole country, up and yeah. down. And yeah. I didn't get very much in Norway. We did travel while we were there. We tried to take advantage and travel as much as we could around there during school breaks because my two of my kids were in school there, you know, a year of public school there in Sweden. So good for them. My youngest is essentially fluent in Swedish now, which is great. Oh, that's nice. My oldest did his senior high school there. By then, all the kids over there all know English. So he was like, nah, I'll just talk to them in English. So I think he can understand Swedish, but uh, he, didn't, he didn't really speak it too much. So. Well, um, I also remember that you said on the campaign trail uh, that you were pro proposing to add uh, a human rights commission to advise the city council. And I, as a gay man, felt that that was very encouraging and that was a big bonus. I mean, when people say, you know, they're going to, they're in, they're in for inclusion, I'm all in, you know. Mm -hmm. um, has that goal been met? And if not, what roadblocks are you finding in the way? Um, well, the goal hasn't been met, um, but I wouldn't say there are roadblocks yet either. It's just, well, it's a multi-step process. See, I kind of, this is one of those things you learn when you, once you get elected is that, the council just doesn't snap their fingers and say, hey, let's start a new commission to join the planning commission and energy and environment and parks. We'll start a, uh, well, human rights commission is one term for it, um, uh, equity commission. The, the idea that I had as, as a, when I was campaigning as a candidate was um, that any major policy shifts or changes that the city was considering would kind of pass through this commission. So the commission could say, hey, let's put on our you know, equity lens and see if we make this change or this policy difference or whatever it is, is it going to, um, you know, how, how will that affect um, you know, the equity landscape in Egan? Um, so that was the idea. Um, when, once I was a council member, we talked about that at our first workshop. Oh, we're having, I think we're having the, uh, the um, one o'clock siren outside. Yeah, yeah, I hope it doesn't get picked up by your mics. But um, we, probably <laughs> we we talked about that at the first workshop we were at, and and um, you know I of course brought that up because it was a priority for me and and other and, and not just for me. Other council members understood the need to. Mm -hmm. um, 
And what we decided to do was to hire a consultant to look at the entire kind of um, uh, race, equity, inclusion, diversity landscape of not just city government, but even just everybody that the city interacts with. So even, you know, the community as a whole, mm -hmm. but focusing on city government, because that's what we can do the most about. Right. Um, and we did hire that consultant earlier this year in 2022. So they are they have about a year of work that's going to include interviewing lots of people in the city government, including us. They already interviewed all of us council members, including me, um, about a month ago. Um, folks out in the community, uh, they have a few stages that they're working through, and then Next, I, I, I might be getting the dates wrong, but I believe it's next summer of 2023, they, they'll kind of deliver their recommendations of what they think we, we should be doing, if anything, what we should be doing different. I hope there will be things that right. they recommend that we do differently. Um, in fact, uh, you know, the interviews were all kind of, you know, uh, closed door kind of interviews because they want people to be very honest and frank in them. So I won't kind of repeat all the things we talked about in the interview. But one thing I did say, which, I, which I'll talk about here, is that I told them, um, in my opinion, uh, once they deliver those or, or formulate those recommendations for us, don't make things easy on us. You know, if, it's, if, they, if, if we get a list of recommendations that's easy to do, mm -hmm. I'll feel like, I'll be disappointed because I'll you know, like, well, we could have done this ourselves. You know, I want right. you to, you know, make it hard for us, you know, and maybe there's things we'll feel like we can't do, or maybe there'll be people who feel like politically they can't do certain things, but whatever it is, I want it to be challenging for us, not easy for us. So well, we'll see you. what we get in, mm -hmm. in, next year. But so, so long answer your question. No, we don't have a, a new human rights commission that maybe will be part of their recommendations. I, I couldn't tell you because they're still working on that. Um, maybe they'll think, maybe they'll say, hey, there's another way, another means you can accomplish your goals other than a commission. You mm -hmm. know, to me, the idea was, yeah, let's do it with a commission. Maybe it'll be something else. So th these consultants um, are very um, much experts in this field. Uh, I, when I came out of my interview with them, I felt really comfortable that we hired the right people. So I'm kind of excited to see what they're going to come up with next. So year. maybe when you when you come on the next show, yes, <laughs> a year from now. <laughs> no, I hope uh, you come sooner than that. Actually, but I didn't mean yeah. it that way. Um, but I'll be able you'll to have better that. news. Yeah, yes. you can report back and let yes. us know how that's working out. And uh, because you know, diversity is. I mean, every company now is promoting that because we're not a monolith anymore. This country is. Mm -hmm. You know, back in the day, you know, in the 40s and 50s, you know, everybody was like, you know, you watch TV. Everybody's white, and you know there was yes. all heterosexual couples on TV. Ozzie and Harriet, and uh, you know, then the '70s came around, and then you saw black like good times. You saw black families, and you saw uh, you know the Cosby Show. Where you yes. started seeing black families, and then there were Latinos on TV. And then then you had gay shows like Will and Grace came in the '90s. You know, yeah. so we we've become a more diverse country. And it's and funny that you that you say it in terms of TV because um, I, yeah I look at it because yeah. I think TV reflects a lot about what's going on in current current times. Well, there there are shows um, that I you know occasionally we'll see on TV that are like say in a high school, mm -hmm. and there's you know gay kids and you know in this TV show all all kinds of kids in this mm -hmm. high school and 
I'm always fascinated when I watch those shows, because as I told you, my high school had almost 5,000 kids in it, and I, at the time, I could not have named a single kid who was gay in my high school, because it was just not something well, people talked about. Well, I had the reputation, about. but I didn't come out, actually, because <laughs> yes, nobody exactly. did. Because, yeah, it was something nobody yeah. talked Well, yeah, you were in high school around the same time I was. It was just not talked about. Just got and beat up if the, you did. Yeah, which yeah. was one of, the, one of the few blessings of Facebook, is you go on Facebook and reconnect with your old high school friends after 30 years, and um, you're like, oh, that kid was gay, you know, because now they're adults and they've come out. Yeah, and, and you got to. Uh, yeah, I. Know. You know, that's funny you bring that up because I, I I've gotten um, friend uh, friend requests from people yeah. that I went to high school with and grammar school and well, I call, now they call it elementary school, yeah. um, and some of them are gay. Yeah. And they were the ones that were like the tough kids, some of them, you know, they were, I guess they were hiding their uh, real feelings and uh, yeah. they, they, uh, they did a good job. <laughs> some of them, you know, I, would have, I was like, oh, yeah. wow, shocking. Yeah. Um, in your opinion, what is one of the greatest accomplishments uh, that the city council has achieved while you were there? So if you, if you were to pick, if you want to do two, it's fine. It's whatever you Good, feel like. Good, because I was going to say two. Oh, you were going to do two. Okay, <laughs> Well, one go. of them's an easy one because it's the one I just told you about, hiring this consultant to work on our um, uh, diversity, okay. equity, Perfect. environment. Yeah. So I won't I won't. And you, uh, and that, and that, that. was one of your uh, campaign promises that you would yes. do that. And you, so you did... Uh, uh, yeah, so I'm being a little self-serving because I'm going to name things that were things that were priorities to me when I was a candidate, which is okay because I think that's... What I'm also have learned since being elected is that it's not like I came onto the council and like stamped stamped my foot and said these are these are the things right. that I want right, you right, all right, to right. do now. Mm -hmm. I mean, these are things that everybody on the council I think had a, an inclination for anyway. Anyway, yeah. um, right. or or you know, in some way, just different degrees, of course, but in some way or another. But sometimes when you have the new person come on who was elected specifically after saying, these are the things that are important to me, you kind of take a step back and go, oh, okay, well, they were kind of important to me too, but now that I see that, you know, 16,000 whatever people voted for this person, you know, who very clearly said this is what they wanted to do, mm -hmm. then, you know, then maybe that makes them even a little bit more inclined towards that, and, and it, you know, and also staff and, and everyone else in the city says, okay, it's kind of clear this is where the city wants to go as a, as a community of 68,000 people. Let's kind of move the, move the, the, the barge or the Queen Elizabeth or whatever in that direction. You know, they say turning, you know, if they want to stop the, the ocean liner, take seven miles or whatever, because, you know, you get, you, it's the same thing with cities. Egan's a little maybe more nimble than most, but, you know, Turning that, turning that ship to in the direction you want to go, it's not something you. But do Egan is on a dime. no. Uh, yeah. Full disclosure, Egan yeah. is one of the biggest cities in the yeah, Twin Cities. I, I mean, it's not like go, it's not like Lilydale or maybe anything. Maybe twelfth you know? or thirteenth. You know, unfortunately, we lost a spot because Lakeville just passed us in population after Lakeville. The last yeah. No. But you're not saying that. You're not no, saying that. No, I'm not that. saying You're saying a, that in a... In no, a, in a nice way. Yeah, of course No, but are. I would never have... <laughs> I would have thought you would have said Bloomington or uh, Richfield I or... Grow, I don't know if Bloomington's still growing, but Lakeville is definitely growing and there's Lake, lots of no, room no, to I, grow. Well, yeah. Thank you for clearing that up. I love Lakeville, <laughs> yeah. but I would have never thought Lakeville yeah. because... 
Lakeville is so I still consider it like anyway when I moved here almost yes Yes. I I thought of it as as an exterior ringed um, suburb you know not even part of the Twin Cities and now it's considered part of the Twin Cities but I think at one point it wasn't even part of the Twin Cities and now it's got more population than Egan you're saying yes sir and um, wow I'll I'll tell you uh, I know we're talking about that my listeners just learned (laughs) you see so we're talking about Egan but I'll tell you a quick a quick detour about Lakeville and I don't know a whole lot about Lakeville so I'm not the Lakeville expert I love Lakeville it's so pretty there Um, but when I was uh, last summer and a couple summers ago I was volunteering with the Open Door and they have a a program called Mobile Lunchbox so Mm -hmm. you and it's a way to get lunches to kids in the summertime when the schools aren't aren't serving lunch of course Mm -hmm. because the schools are closed so um so they cooperate with local school districts and you put a bunch of food in a van and drive to different areas in the in the southern metro and drop these lunches off for kids deliver these lunches to kids and we had a lot of stops in lakeville and i remember the first time i was doing it i thought lakeville that's just like a bunch of single family home tracks why are we bringing it to lakeville well that's not what all of what lakeville is there are just like every other city in the metro, there are pockets of poverty in Lakeville. Um, uh, mobile home parks, um, at right. least three that we visited, and maybe there's, I don't know if there's others, but there's three that we visited, and apartment buildings. And it was a surprise to me, and, and I learned a lot, because, I mean, this one mobile home park, we drove past this big shopping center and then there's a road and then a gravel road and then you're in the middle of this forest and then suddenly there's hundreds of mobile homes around you and all these kids running out to get lunch and I'm like where did I just did I just go through like some kind of like you know portal or you know one of those science fiction shows like how did I get to this place I was just right out on that main road and the big shiny moving theater and the you know the restaurants Uh and but yeah, it's everywhere. I have a, in I have a great uh, same yeah. thing with me. I mean, yeah. I remember. Um, do you remember when um, the Democrats had uh, their primaries? They were running against each other. So it was like Pete Buttigieg against Beto O'Rourke, against Biden, against Kamala Harris, and the whole bunch mm-hmm. of them. Well, Beto O'Rourke had come to the Twin Cities to uh, campaign, and he had an event in a brewery in Lakeville. Oh, uh, and a bunch of my friends got together because I want. I, I always found him fascinating the way he speaks. It's just like he's captive. He's just, he's got this way of drawing you in. I don't know if you f- he needs feel to this move same. to a state that'll elect him to something. Thank you. <laughs> I mean, you know, I I, I think he keeps, like here. he keeps losing because he's in he's in like. Oh, I bet an, I don't want to bash <laughs> Texans because I'm sure there's Texans listening out there that are very nice, but uh, God, you know. Anyway, but he came here, mm-hmm. and um, he went to a brewery, mm-hmm. and you could barely fit in there. I mean, it was like this, it was a big space, but it was like full of people, and there were lines around the block to meet him and take pictures and mm-hmm. stuff. And But I remember driving through this town, and there was so much going on. Yeah. Like, I mean... You wouldn't think like to go to Lakeville for a brewery. Like They had yeah. craft beers, and they had... Uh, uh, spi- um, spike cider and um, and it was very like the, the the room was just the space was just very uh, overwhelmingly industrial you know kind mm-hmm. of with the pipes you know stuff and I'm thinking to myself wow this is really really cool yeah. you know and because I don't think of it that way well once you once you move people into a place mm-hmm. you know businesses and amenities and 
often kind of cool gathering places yeah. follow. And, and, and sometimes a little bit behind that is maybe more cultural institutions follow. So like mm -hmm. here in Egan, you know, Artworks, which is our, our local arts nonprofit, one of our local arts nonprofits, we have several, Caproni right. Art Park being another, um, that started up because, you know, we hit a critical mass of people and for, for you know, arts um, uh, exhibits and things like that and, and performances, people were going to Minneapolis and St. Paul and we're, and we're like, uh, we could do that here. Yeah. You know, you don't have to go there. Okay, I'm going to backtrack because you asked me what my what I thought the city council's best accomplishment was, and I started talking about Lakeville. So let me oh, go right. back to yeah, the we, accomplishment. We went off on a tangerine. <laughs> we yeah. did. We yeah. went off on, went, exactly. <laughs> so, um, but I do want to talk about the accomplishment because it's kind of important to me, which is um, one of the, the priorities I had was sustainability when I was a candidate. And, um, uh, and we talked about that when I was on the Energy and Environment Commission because the way Egan did sustainability at that time is we did not have a full-time sustainability coordinator. So our, our um, director of parks, Andrew Pimentel, uh, I wanna make sure I pronounce his name right, he um, kind of took on that role even though he had multiple other hats that he was wearing. So, so he knew and we knew that you know, it would be much better if we had somebody who would do that job solely by themselves. And um, one of the things that we've worked on in the last year is um, developed a plan to hire a full-time sustainability coordinator, which will probably happen um, sometime. I don't think it's gonna happen in 2022, but it might happen early 2023. Mm -hmm. I don't have the dates exactly right, so forgive me for that, but sometime in the next six months or whatever, this person will probably be coming on board. And we're funding it with a, um, a franchise fee on um, uh, everybody's electric bill. So it's a fee, it's not a tax, but yes, it's more money that everybody's paying. I think it's something to the tune of maybe a dollar a month. I don't know, something okay. like that. So you might see it on your bill, and if you don't like it, I'm the person you can, one of the five people you can complain, complain to about it, but the thing is for that buck a month or whatever that is that everybody's paying and businesses are paying, mm -hmm. we're getting someone who can coordinate all among m multiple departments in the city our sustainability efforts. So it's not just kind of like a hodgepodge patchwork of what are what are is, is happening in each department. We have right. one person who's kind of knows the big picture. So I think it's well worth the money. So yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. I was for one dollar. I mean, you know, yeah. come on, Mike. Yeah. I mean, that's and I'm, I'm estimating, so I might be getting the number a little bit wrong, <laughs> but but um, it's it's essentially a negligible amount. Yeah, so it sounds, so, it sounds um, like a good idea. And we're getting idea. a good value for it. Yeah, yeah, so absolutely. that I would say is is what I'm most proud of. I guess I until that person's actually on board, it still has to be tentative. But I'm sure that person will be on board pretty soon. And and. Uh, we can kind of check that box and be awesome. like, yes, that's something that I that was a priority for me, and now we have it. So Wonderful. Yeah. Well, thanks for telling us that. And um, before we get to the shift, this part of the mm -hmm. show where, where we talk about other things, Okay. Um, do you have uh, – this is a personal question. I, I always wanted to ask you this. Do you have any ambitions to run for higher office in the county or in the state at large? So right now you're a city council member. I'm not mm – -hmm 
you know, going to poo-poo that. That's a great job, and no. um, you, you do great work. <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm yeah. serious. I, no, I, 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 I always say this to people. I you know, that when you know, look at look at yeah. look at um, uh, our governor. You know, he mm-hmm. was he started as a rep. Yeah, a state rep wasn't he? A state rep? I think he was, or a state senator. I'm I'm confused he, now. He was a. Uh, ooh, no, no, I'm going to mess up. I think he was. He was our member of Congress, wasn't he? I think he was. A state. He was the member of Congress down in District One. Right. Um, but yeah. the point but I'm making before is that, yes, before that he probably I, he probably I don't know what was. he was before. He probably went I'm, up the ladder, but yes. he started. He somewhere. started as a school teacher. Yes, so there you go. So, so look what he that's where kind of he is now. More important to me is that is that yeah, let's get some teachers. You know. Oh yeah, <laughs> very smart man. Very smart man. Yeah. That's what to me. It's yeah. a, you know you got a doctor who's who doesn't believe in vaccines. I mean, that, and <laughs> running against the teacher. I mean, yeah. yeah. Uh, anyway, but uh, yeah. So do you have any ambitions? Um. Ambitions, I'd say no. Um, I I had been thinking of running for city council actually for many years, and um, I I'm a very patient person. I like to think so. Uh, even though I kind of started thinking about this, oh golly, 20 years ago maybe. I I kind of need things to be. I was like, okay, are the kids in the right place? And is it going to take too much time from this? And how's my work going? And and then. Uh, and we, luckily, I didn't run before we went to Sweden because I would have had to quit and go to Sweden. So uh, once we got back from Sweden, I was like, okay, this is something I've been thinking about for a long time. I'm going to do this. And um, I had a few folks encouraging me. Um, one person, you know, approached me uh, early in 2016 and said, are you thinking of running? And I said, yeah, I'm thinking about it. And then he approached me a little bit later and said, well, think a little harder because you need to make a decision because, you know, otherwise, you know, I might look for someone else, you know, to to uh, encourage to run. And I was like, OK, give me a little more time. I'll think about it. And I did think about it and decided to take the plunge. And, you know, if you've never run for anything before, mm-hmm. um, that's a big step to take because sure if you're going to do it seriously. So it's easy to just it costs five dollars to file so it's easy to pay your five dollars and put your name in there and never do anything and Mm -hmm. you won't get elected so there's not a whole lot of point in that in my opinion um but if you're going to take it seriously it's a big undertaking you are knocking on doors and calling people and getting out of your comfort zone and and it may be hard for you to realize this during this interview, but I am not an extrovert, you know, and when it was time for me to actually start going to people and talking about myself a lot that was not yeah. at all in my comfort zone, I and, know. and uh, I so know. I did run in 2016. I didn't, I didn't, wasn't elected in 2016, but I got a lot of votes, and I think a lot of people were like, "Oh, this guy actually, you know, took it seriously and worked his butt off, and if he uh-huh. ever do, does it again, he might win." And then I did run in, in and 2020 won. and won. Um, I'm going to make so, a prediction. Yeah. What's that? I'm, I'm going to be <laughs> Kreskin right now. Well, so the older, the yeah. old, the older people know who Kreskin is. <laughs> Uh, what's her name? That uh, other psychic, uh, uh, the, the, oh, the Long Island madam. I don't remember her name, her name well, now. Um, <laughs> I'm going to say. I'm going to Google it while you're talking. When no, I you, won't. When a door opens up <laughs> yeah. for a position in a higher office, I bet you would take it because I'm just going to say that because you're a very yeah. friendly guy. You're very ambitious. Mm-hmm. I think I, um, you're doing a wonderful job at what you do. Um, you're, you're friendly as all heck. I mean, I remember the first time I met you at a campaign event. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you and I just, it was, I was yeah. like, I met you like 25 well, it's, years. It's like someone from my hometown, you know? Hey, you know, <laughs> Joey. Hey. Hey. Well, yeah, so it's kind of, <laughs> I'm just saying at a, at a, you know, I'm not trying yeah. to, 
blow smoke yeah. in your face or anything. Yeah. But I just think you would be fabulous yeah. if you if you kept yeah. in the in, in this zone in the yeah. po- political zone. Yeah. And you know, if anything opens up yeah. and they somebody approaches you, I really encourage you. Yeah. To try doing yeah, and and you know I'm I'm open to it. Um, I'm I'm not thrilled with partisan office right now. Um, and you know, open disclosure, I align with the DFL, so I don't know. Probably everybody figured that out by now, but I do. Um, and DFL's great, and we have a bunch of great elected officials and and candidates. Um, when I see the difference between running for partisan office. Compared to what I did, mm-hmm. it's night and day. I mean, hundreds of thousands of dollars being spent, you know, horrible pictures and things being said about you. And yeah, you don't want to have to be scared off by that stuff. Especially but, how vicious it's getting yeah, nowadays. But you also you think, know? why would I? Why would I put myself right through right. that? So the people that do put themselves through that, I have the greatest respect for because yeah. I, I have a hard time picturing myself doing that. Who knows, I may be able to do that someday, I, I, I couldn't say, but I have a hard time picturing myself doing that. What, what I am more excited about and hoping that I can accomplish is um, creating, I don't know if the word bench sounds almost, almost um, uh, creating a bench, you know? It sounds a little bit maybe like, uh, I wanna have a pipeline of folks that are willing to serve Partisan or not on partisan office doesn't matter, but and I want that pipeline to be, as we said earlier, more reflective of the general population in Egan. So, so right. in any way I can, I every time I meet folks, um, especially especially women, especially folks that people of color, um, people from the LGBTQ community, and they seem to have an interest in what's happening in the city or what's happening in in, in elected office. I try to find ways to encourage them to get their foot in the door. And it doesn't always mean run for something right away. Mm-hmm. It might mean apply for an advisory commission, or it might mean um, join the Rotary Club, you know, where right. you kind of make connections. And that then if you do decide you're going to run for something or whatever, you have a base of people who know you right. and, and can vouch for you, which is Word of mouth and is still the most important, you know, uh, <laughs> thing that you can do. So, so yeah, sure, maybe I'll run for something else, different office. I don't I know. I hope so. But but what I really want to do is get that pipeline, so so that it doesn't matter if I run for something else, right? Or not, because I know we have all saying. these other yeah. people that can do that. Yeah, you know? yeah. Yeah. The, the, it, yeah, yeah, and I, that's how I feel about this podcast too. Yeah. When I do it, you know, I I, I have a pipeline of people mm-hmm. that that are, listen. Yeah. And have told other people about it, and 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 you know, and I and I try to uh, explain, you know, in in easy, you know, easy to understand language, what I really want to accomplish. I believe in equality for all. There's certain things I just really, really fight for: equality for all. I believe in democracy. Mm-hmm. You know, that's my big one now. Democracy is a huge yeah. one. You know, and I think. Uh, I think that's on the ballot this year. So, anyway, Good segue to your next next segment. Of exactly. Your show, so. And now we've come to the part of the show I like to call the shift, where I mm-hmm. shift the questioning away from your job as city council member mm-hmm. of Egan to your opinions on current affairs. Is that okay? Yes, All right. For so, sure. as of the taping of this show, the Daily Beast and sub- subsequently other news outlets reported 
that Republican candidate for Governor Herschel Walker paid for an abortion for an ex-girlfriend. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you heard that. I did. And he has been out on the campaign trail saying that he is against abortion in all cases. His ex-girlfriend even has the receipts from the abortion provider and the get well card and the check that was in the card. She has that too. She's got everything. How hypocritical is that? And why do you suppose that even with this news, mm -hmm. the polls may not be really shifting dramatically? So in other words, you're here, you're here you're saying, I believe that abortion should be outlawed completely mm -hmm. because it's, it's wrong and it's this and that, whatever so the reason. what he's saying, yeah. And yeah. now we find out that he literally paid a woman <laughs> sure. to have one. And he's not the first person that, that elected official or prominent person who's done this exact same thing. I know there was a, a, a uh, I believe, a, either member of Congress or a state representative in Tennessee, I think it was a member of Congress, mm -hmm. did the exact same thing. Um, and as far as this woman and, and you know, the abortion that she got, my opinion on that is that's her business. And, you know. Oh, yeah. I'm not you know, saying yes, that. Yes, of course. Yeah. 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 I mean, I think uh, she has every yeah. right in the world to have yeah. an abortion if she wants one. And, uh, that's so why choice me, is so important. The focus isn't on that so much as is on the hypocrisy. And, and, and the yes. hypocrisy is yes. in all manner of issues. Yes. Abortion being one of, of a multitude of issues where that hypocrisy but how exists. Could you, my point yes. is, though, this is, this is it, Mike. Yes. This is my point. How can you trust someone who says, I don't like this, but they do it? Right. For example, I don't like chocolate ice cream. And then <laughs> you see a picture of them eating chocolate <laughs> ice cream. I mean, how yeah. can you believe that person that representing you yeah. and you want to have trust in that person. So uh, I don't understand how people could still look at him and go, yeah, he's, yeah, he's my guy. You yeah, know? And, and there's been plenty <laughs> of know? other examples. You know that there, there were plenty of um, uh, political folks, elected officials who, who would run on the platform of being against um, gay rights, yes. you know, and then of course, you know, turns out they're gay or, or at least, you know, Secret, secretly, if that's the right word, closeted, Se closeted gay, yeah. you know, and, and, and yeah, so again, if they're gay, fine, but don't be a hypocrite and go out and try and get votes from people by telling them how, you know, how much you're against gay rights, because... You know, in other you're words, not. You're to, yeah, that's why you. Yes, that's what you and you're are, trying to get you know? the bigot vote. And the same thing with 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 Herschel Walker is is, is the hypocrisy. And and kind of the bigger yes. question that or the follow up was, why would people still vote for him? Yes. After this, and and that is of course the the million dollar question. mystery question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the answer I have, which is maybe not a great answer, but it's the one that works for me, is this whole idea of tribalism, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So at this point, sure. It has nothing to do with policy, you know. It has nothing to do with, with um, whether you know what he paid for or didn't pay for, or what he says on the campaign trail or what he doesn't say on the campaign trail. He could say nothing. He could have said nothing for this whole campaign and never left his house, and he'd probably still get 45% of the vote at least, maybe more, because of tribalism. People are just like, oh, he's the guy that. Yeah. I'm supposed to vote for because he's because in my, has he's an in my party, yeah, yeah. you know, and, and no doubt there's some of that on the Democratic side, too. 
but, but, I but, tend to see more of it on the Republican side, and maybe that's yes. just because of the perspective I'm looking from. But but it just seems like the the outrages, for instance, in this Herschel Walker case, are so much more vivid on on the Republican side, and and the fact that someone would just and 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 I heard someone literally said this to me. This was I think. Um, right before Trump was elected. You know, some, I was talking to somebody about it who was a Republican, and he was telling me how much he, he you know, what a bad candidate he thought Trump was and that he thought he was kind of not qualified president and all that. And then he said he was going to vote for him. And I'm like, why? And he's like, well, because I'm a Republican. And he's, you know, so it had nothing to do with qualifications, what the person's proposing to mm -hmm. do, what the person's, um, you know, how they communicate, you know, whether they seem you know, uh, uh, rational or not, it has to do with their brand. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. so we, tribalism has kind of become I the agree. top issue more so than any abortion or the environment or anything else. Yes, That's the yes. top issue. Now. I agree. You know? The next few, po yeah. next few topics, uh, we'll have to go through them quickly because we're starting to run out of some time here. Um, as of the taping of this show as well, the U.S. Senate is trying to pass a bipartisan bill to amend the Electoral Count Act of 1887. Can you tell, can you tell our listeners why passing that bill is vital to preserving the smooth transfer of power from one president to another? Well, sure, and it, the only reason I think it's vital is because somebody tried to sabotage it um, a couple of years ago. So I would not have even been able to tell you anything about the Electoral College Act I didn't before even know about two it. years yeah. ago. But, but once you realize, oh, okay, there's all of these kind of technical steps that happen until the electors get chosen and, and, and vote for the president. And until two years ago, we thought those were all just kind of like procedural steps. Well, now we know that at every single one of those steps, if someone tries really hard, they can throw a roadblock in there or, mm -hmm. a, or a, a crowbar or whatever, whatever, you, whatever kind whatever of um, you use, <laughs> impediment you want to use, they can throw it in there and make a problem. Well, that's why and, they wanted to hang Mike Pence, because yeah. they said Mike Pence is going by the, by the Constitution and saying, well, yeah. this is just a ceremonial job. I'm just supposed to be there. You bring me the votes. Yes. You count them. You, you told me who won, and that, and then we say this is who we're going to give those electors right. to. Uh, he couldn't turn around and say, you know what? I don't agree with those electors because yeah. the state picked the electors. Yes, because suddenly yeah. it's the vice president's role to choose who our next president is. Yeah, it's no. like no, not really. Um, <laughs> but the thing is, so so now that we know that all of these things are are subject to sabotage, we say well. Sure, people are trying to sabotage it, but they'll never get away with it because this is how it's always been done. Well, if you can point enough judges that see things your way, you'll, your sabotage will succeed because mm -hmm. people will appeal to your judges. And this is maybe something else we're going to be talking about. If there's time, I don't know. But you know, now the judges aren't impartial judges anymore. Now judges are just basically another element of the, yeah, of the that's tribal a whole other program. System. That's a whole yes. other show because <laughs> I'll tell you when that when I saw that they overturned Roe versus Wade, yeah. and uh, uh, the, the what was the precedent? Uh, there was two. There was another. Mm. It always escapes me that I'm, one. Yeah, I'm gonna. Well, anyway, it's a double precedent. Yeah, Roe versus Wade, and then they upheld it in the '90s again. Yeah, you 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 cannot 
make this stuff up. Mm -hmm. I mean, you normally double precedent is, is is etched in the law. That's it. Now, one Supreme Court, because you decide to change the the content of the of, of the Supreme Court, the, who the people are, mm -hmm. you're gonna you're gonna say, you know what? Those two courts that picked that yeah. that decided differently. Nah, we don't believe them, yeah. and we'll just do what we want. That that shows you how political the Supreme Court is. Well, yeah, Court the Supreme Court has basically been transformed. Yeah. It's, it's not a court anymore. It's no. a, it's an unelected third house of of you know of the government, except it's one that's not elected, and also one that can overrule anything else that anybody else decides, any law that anybody decides, and and it's. In my opinion, yeah, it's kind of dangerous. out of control now, and and Very un dangerous. unfettered, unleashed, and nothing, you know, nothing can stop them. They, you know, people are like, public opinion is against this, but they're ruling for it anyway. Do you think the Supreme Court cares? They're like, what do we care? We're in here for life, you know. We mm -hmm. can do whatever we want. And so. you have Clarence <laughs> Thomas, who happens his wife is just like. They have text messages that yeah. she wanted. In, she wanted to go through with the whole insurrection deal, yes. and uh, and now he's going to be ruling on things having to do with Trump's uh, documents that he, they found in Mar-a-Lago. This is what I mean. I mean, we well, he he already did rule once on those text messages. It was an eight to one ruling about whether they yeah, should be disclosed, only... and he was the only one ruling against it. I wonder why. Yeah. Hello. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, moving on to Minnesota politics. Okay. In your opinion, as a Minnesota resident, what are some of the most important issues on the ballot in our state this coming November? So we have a lot of things that we're going to be voting for. Well, one important one is, you know, we have all these kids in school going to, like, potty and litter boxes. That's kind of important, isn't it? You haven't heard this, have you? You're, you the look on your face shows me you haven't heard this. So, okay, I, I'll get into it. Um, no, you're kidding the, me. It's no, no, same, it's, it's not, not happening. 1st it's, it? it's not happening. But, yes, maybe it's April 1st. There is an internet hoax going around that says, hey, kids are identifying as animals and not as people anymore, and now schools are putting litter boxes oh out for them to use. This is an internet hoax, listeners, not a real thing um, to most of us. I never it is a real thing. Life. It is a real thing to the Republican candidate for governor, um, Scott Jensen. He, he spoke to a group, one of his one of his rallies totally or whatever, and he, he basically read word for word this internet hoax and said, look what those guys are doing. They're making oh our kids God. go to the bathroom in litter boxes in school. So he, he took it hook, line, and sinker. Mike, I'm getting nauseous right now, please. <laughs> hook, line, and sinker, and he's repeating this at his campaign events. Maybe he's not anymore now because it's oh been exposed, God. but he repeated it at a campaign event. So uh, sorry, sorry to disappoint you there, Philip, but um, I won't say that's the biggest issue as far as litter boxes go, well, but I'm going to say it's a big issue in that, again, he, even after that, he is probably going to get at least 40% of the vote. Yeah, There's you're right. There's 40% of your friends and neighbors, maybe not your friends, 40% of your neighbors are going to vote for him and say, yeah, he's the guy I want to be governor and I don't care that he came out and said children are going to school in litter box, you know, going, going to bathroom and litter boxes in school and fell for this Internet thing. You is know, this and a QAnon thing or this is just something he I conjured up? I, I, or, or, no, no, he didn't conjure it up. This is something that somebody he, he put out. He pulled this out of, uh, yeah. out of some, yeah. and this uh, some is a dark thing. web thing. They find things on the Internet that support what they yeah, already yeah, yeah. believe well, you know, you, and you, just repeat them with no 
no checking whatsoever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And because they know the people they're repeating them to also want to believe it. Right, right, so right. So it's this kind of horrible cycle that exists. And, and um, like, my, like, you know. like, like Ron DeSantis when yeah. he did the, the Don't Say Gay bill, I mean, that was yeah. something that was probably in the dark echelon of the internet as well, yeah. where you can come in as a child, first grade, second grade, yeah. have two fathers, two mothers, a mother, a father you know, whatever, and they say, you know, today we're going to draw our family. Yeah. And then you have two daddies yeah. or two Except mommies. Except for you, you can't now, draw you yours. Now, you can't draw yours because <laughs> that would upset uh, yeah. some parents. So we'll, la- we'll let you go home today or yeah. we'll, you'll be, yeah. we'll draw your friend's family. you <laughs> from this class. I mean, that's better. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't get this stuff. But anyway, moving on. Uh, finally, as you know, I am a gay man who mm-hmm. is worried about attacks on the LGBT community by the likes of Ron DeSantis and others, like I just mentioned, uh, on our civil rights. In, uh, in your opinion, what can be done to make sure that gay, bi, trans people experience less discrimination in schools, in housing, in adoption, in marrying who they want, etc.? So, uh, for example, uh, uh, and not that in, it, this is going to you know, be part mm-hmm. of what I want personally, but, mm-hmm. but again, we live in a diverse country. There are LGBT people that may want to adopt or may want to uh, you know, live in a certain area of the country where it's, mm-hmm. you know, we don't want you there. Um, so if I want to adopt a, a kid, let's say, and mm-hmm. I live in, a, in, a, in the Bible Belt, I am still living in the USA, mm-hmm. believe mm-hmm. it or not. Uh, why do you think it's important that we address these yeah. issues now before they, uh, these rights are stripped away? Yeah, well, it's critically important because we've learned, well, we've known for a while, but we've learned especially in the last year that court rulings aren't, even Supreme Court rulings aren't permanent, right? Well, we just found so, that out. Yes. Yeah. So, so yes, there was a Supreme Court ruling not too many years ago that said, of course, you know, gay people can marry one another, you know. Five it's, to four. It, it's, yeah, five to four. Barely. Yes. But, but, it, but it's, um, you know, almost ridiculous that that even has to be something that a court rules on, right? right? But it was, and, and it was a five to four ruling. I guarantee you if that same ruling were made in, by today's Supreme Court. Oh, God, no. It would not be a five to four ruling, and it's only a matter of time. Has because, society fallen apart yeah. because I married my husband? Yeah. I exactly. mean, I really don't understand why people are involved in other people's business, Mike. You know, it's right. very, it, it, it kind of boggles the mind. You so, know? so there's two, two, two ways to kind of help create the security that your family's looking for and that, that a lot of gay families are looking for. One of them is to codify these court rulings into law, right. which isn't. Like Probably going to happen in a lot of states, but mm-hmm. it can happen in places like Minnesota, poss- possibly, anyway. Maybe not right if now, because we, we have a split legislature. If but we keep it yeah. blue, yes. Yeah. 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 Um, but um, So that's one way, is, is the legal way. The, the second way is maybe harder to, to um, uh, describe, but probably far more effective, which is people just have to get to know, I mean, people often, not always, but often don't discriminate against folks that they know. I mean, you live in the middle of a neighborhood in here in Egan. Mm -hmm. 
I don't know your relationship with your neighbors, but I would bet your neighbors don't walk by your house every day and say to you, you shouldn't be married to your husband. No. Right? Because they know you. Yes. Right? Um, people who don't know you. And they're you, very nice to me. Yes, I have of course. To say. They're very nice to me. They don't, yeah. I don't know what they say behind my back, but as yeah. far as in front of my face, they're very nice to me. Well, yes. And but people kind who don't and, know you. Yeah. And who are, for example, running for governor, maybe, or something else, you know, they feel like they can say whatever they want because right. they're not talking to someone they know. They're just talking out into the into the the void saying, here's how I feel. Once you actually meet folks and know folks and say, oh, this isn't the boogeyman. This isn't going to destroy society. This is This is normal. You know, I, I have two, a two people that love each other. Yeah, I, I have a, um, a a cousin, an older cousin who um, was a teacher at my high school when I was there, and um, uh, after I graduated, um, uh, she came out as gay and married. Uh, I don't know, not married, but because it wasn't legal at the time. Yeah, it but, wasn't but, legal. But yeah. um, you know, had a partner, and they lived together. Uh, I don't know, thirty essentially since right after I graduated high school, mm -hmm. 30 years, I don't know how many years uh, until her partner passed away, which of course devastated her. And, you know, I look at that and say, so these, those two people couldn't get married. They've, they've, they're there at the time they could have, you know, un under today's environment, but they couldn't at the time, but you know, they were together much longer than many married couples are and had mm -hmm. a closer bond than most married couples do. And they couldn't be married. You know, that somehow society looks at that relationship as being lesser somehow, you yeah. know, which is simply unfair and also just, just, I mean, just plain wrong. So, so yeah, the two things are legal avenue and, yeah, people just have to start to get to know folks. And once they do, they're like, oh, okay, this is, this right. is cool. Yeah. This is normal. Yeah, thanks you for know? that, Mike. Yeah. Uh, so, unfortunately... Mm -hmm. I'm sad. We have come to the end of the show today. Um, is there anything you wanted to finish with uh, that I, you uh, at all? I don't want to leave you hanging if I didn't, if well, you didn't no, bring up I, something. I think we hit all the topics that... that Good, okay. We, that I just wanted, I wanted to talk about. I always so, do that. I make sure yeah. that everything is out there and our, our, our listeners get the full scope of what you came here to do. This was to, a lot of fun. I, I'm kind of going over in my head at everything we talked about. And I was like, nope, I don't... <laughs> There's nothing there that I feel like I should have said differently. So it was a I great feel okay about you, it. You did a yeah. great job. Thank you so Thanks. much for doing this. And uh, for more um, about uh, Egan City Council member Mike Sapina, you can follow him on Facebook at Sapina, the numeral four Egan. So it's S U P I N A, the numeral four E A G A N. And on Twitter at the same thing, Sapina for Egan with the number four. And thanks so much for uh, coming today to the Downright Upright show. And uh, will you come again maybe in the future? We'll do, Absolutely. do this again and maybe get, maybe have a panel show and yeah. get a few of the, our politicians and local politicians. Like I have a big argument? No. <laughs> no, no, no. We're not going to bring Marjorie Taylor Greene here, are we? No. I don't know. That might be kind of fun, actually. <laughs> oh, oh, you would like that, would you? No, I, I, I don't yeah. think so. Anyway, uh, and to our listeners, we'd like to thank you for spending time with us today. And please stay tuned for more of the Downright Upright Show in the future. And this is your host, Philip Anthony, saying ciao for now. Bye, Mike. Thank you. Thank you.